Welcome everybody to the Sweat the Small Stuff podcast. This is your delightful host, Ethan, with my uh, cordial co-host, TJ. How you doing, TJ? Eat a dick. <laughs> Coming in yeah, hot. We're, in we're hot. throwing everything out the window. Everything you say I am, I'm the opposite. All right, man. Uh, I'm loving the intensity. Let's keep it going. So let's we got to... Let's calm a, down. Got a heck of a podcast here for you today. Uh, that's me calming it down. But uh, hey, we are here to talk about the week in sports. Today is May 13th. It is a Thursday. And uh, we're getting going, man. I am uh, pumped up on football with our last bit of real off-season news. The schedules got released. And from here forward, it's, it's, it's going to be a long off-season. But uh, forward, it's all, how do you think this game will play out? I don't know, man. What do you think about that game? <laughs> I'm hearing this guy is in the best shape of his life. He is he's ready to prove it. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure we'll have, like, some kicker battles to, to hear about. But otherwise, uh, yeah. Long snappers, baby. Let's see. Some it. long snappers, yes. Uh, but otherwise, the schedule release is the last bit of uh, big news that we have. And uh, we found out that there's going to be some big games coming up this year. Uh, just a few of the ones that really stuck out. The opener for the NFL regular season in 2021 will be the Buccaneers and Cowboys. And uh, I'm ready the to see Dak out there. World champions versus America's team. And the leader of America's team, das Pre Dak Prescott, is back. And so... Is his leg? Is it stronger than ever? Find out. Did you hear uh, Tom Brady was dissing the America's Team slogan for the Dallas Cowboys this week? Uh, he he like I don't know if he tweeted it out or if he like said in an interview, but he said, uh, "Hey, like when was the last time they won a Super Bowl? Like it's it's been you know 25 years or so at this point. Let's maybe move the uh, America's Team onward to someone else." Was he hinting that it should be the Buccaneers? I don't know, but. Seem to be saying that it's a little overrated for the Cowboys to still get it. Easy shade to be throwing. However, I am confident that the Cowboys are still the most valuable NFL franchise. And I oh, think sure. one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. So they're not bad America's either. It's about capitalism and everything I've ever learned about America leads me to believe the answer to that question is yes. The Cowboys. By usually... golly, the Cowboys. They, they usually keep it spicy going into, like, Thanksgiving, you know? And then the Cowboys tend to fall apart. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that Dak is going to bring them right back to where they were before his horrific ankle injury when he was, you know, in the MVP conversation. He was, like, on track for, like, 5,000 yards passing or something like that. And um, I'm hoping he picks right back up where he left off. And that'd be tight. So we will see. Um, otherwise... I'm quote you on that. Uh, Ethan, wait. On Dak Prescott's potential uh, return, that would be tight. That would be tight. We will see. Uh, put it down, man. Put it on the scoreboard. Um, anyway. Might be the hottest take you've had yet. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we have uh, some revenge games on the books here. First one, right off the bat, week one, Panthers-Jets. Why is this a revenge game? One name, Darnold. Sam Darnold, former quarterback of the New York Jets, now presumptive starter of the Carolina Panthers, is going to be Modern squaring off. Joseph couldn't keep him down, and the New York Jets also cannot keep him down. 
<laughs> is he uh, is he going to be seeing ghosts when he plays his old team? I I, I don't know, but I kind of I kind of doubt it. I personally, I still like Sam Darnold a bit. You know, I think uh, you know, like everyone said, he had a, a bad a bad hand when he was in New York. Not that the Panthers are going to be a ton a ton better, but they should be better. It's hard not to be better than the New York Jets, yeah. and uh, that's what Zach Wilson has to deal with. Still, is going to be the horrible hand that Darnold left behind. I feel like there are a lot of Sam Darnold apologists out there. Um, Might be one. There are tons of them, and it bothers me. As and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up. I'm a Broncos guy, and and I got a lot of gripes. We got. Uh, we got a young guy out there who's not not really shown uh, that he he's the guy that we want him to be just yet. Andrew Locke? Very, very few Drew Locke apologists. Meanwhile, everybody cannot wait to say, wow, Sam Darnold, I can't wait to see what he can really do behind a competent coaching staff. So, you know what? I, I, hope, I hope that he is great, but gosh dang it, I will not uh, – I will not be incredibly surprised if he just turns out to be just an average guy. All right. That's your hottest take of 2021. And the hottest take is that if that happens, those very same Sam Darnold apologists are going to say something to the effect of like, well, it was the system that broke him. What what, what do you think could have been if if not for the system? How, How could anybody have made it out of New York in those years unscathed? Uh, but that game will be taking place in Carolina. He will not be going to uh, the Meadowlands, uh, the New York Jets facility. So, uh, you know, we'll see. They're, the Jets are coming to Darnold this time around. Otherwise, uh, in the revenge games that we have on the schedule, big one, game of the year, uh, calling it now, Buccaneers at the Patriots in Foxborough. Tom Brady coming home with Gronk. And they are squaring off against old Billy B. And, and whatever remains of a team that exist there. Yeah, I mean, you know, Billy, uh, he's the last man standing out there in New England. Old, old William Willichek. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on a nickname basis with him now. Uh, yeah, he kind of lost the old squad, you know. He's just kind of trying to to rebuild. Uh, he's got his old, his old coaches now with him, but... Uh, I don't know what else, uh, you know, it, it it's going to take a lot for Mac Jones. Do you see Mac Jones playing in this game? Do you think uh, Cam Newton's going to be able to hold the the starting position in New England going into week four? Yes. Yeah. All right. So we have Cam Newton then versus uh, Tom Brady. Not bad. I, I see the Buccaneers kind of rolling on this one. I might be a Cam Newton apologist. But, um... Yeah, I mean, we we both do have different opinions on on Cam Newton. He had an atrocious last year, but that is not a system I think designed for you know a mobile quarterback like Cam Newton. You know, that was a system that he went into that they were just like, hey, you're not Tom Brady, but can you play in Tom Brady's offense? And Cam Newton was like, not well. He's like, oh, as long as I can keep throwing to Julian Edelman's corpse, and they're like, great for this year, but he's gone now. Uh, so we'll, we'll see who he's throwing to. Um, I know they picked up a couple of tight ends this year, so maybe Johnny Smith comes through big for the Patriots. I'm not sure, but, uh, we know that there's a known commodity at the tight end position in Tampa. Brady's coming with Gronk and 
they were coming with Super Bowl rings that were not forged in Foxborough. Uh, so every, everyone's going to be watching that game for sure. Um, so those are our revenge games. Uh, otherwise, uh, it should be a fun, fun season. Packers, we know I'm a Packers fan. Uh, they are screwed. <laughs> Still in the headlines. They, uh, they have a tough, tough slate of games. They are playing against 10, I believe, playoff teams from last year. And um, it's only a 17-game season. So that's over half their games. They're going against, like, elite competition. So we will see. I am just praying that we have Aaron Rodgers to steer steer the boat going into this year. If not, we either have Jordan Love, who is, uh, you know, never started a game. I don't think he even played in the preseason last year because there was no preseason with COVID. Or, and all the rumors have not been great about how he looks. Or we have uh, our new signee, Blake Bortles. Now, Blake Bortles Blake did Bortles. get to the oh. AFC Championship game one time against uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots losing, um, but we we both know he didn't take him there. That was Saxonville. That was a defense-led Jacksonville Jaguars team. And um, I don't know who would be better to start for the Green Bay Packers between him or Jordan Love, strictly because I haven't really gotten to see Jordan Love in an NFL offense. But, God, I hope Rodgers stays. <laughs> That's yeah. One more year, Rodgers. Give me that. I, I, would, I would enjoy seeing Love start uh, just, just to see what you got. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, with no preseason, it's hard to tell uh, where he's at. So I'm, I'm guessing he'll probably see the field at least during the preseason. Dude, I would give him if like Rogers stays all of the or not. preseason games. Um, yeah, and if if Rogers stays, which would be my best case scenario for this year, my best case scenario is that we're like going into the playoffs as like a one seed, and we can like give Love the last like two starts of the season. You know, because we're like already locked in and it's like, all right, now it's time to see you like a la Patrick Mahomes when he was like going in for those late season games when Alex Smith was still the starter in Kansas City. That would be my dream scenario. Um, Your dream scenario is that Jordan Love just becomes Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Not, that's uh, yeah. that's a, it's, it's a unique dream in the, the realm of reality. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also, my dream is also to have the next Patrick Mahomes be the starter for my favorite team. But, uh, oh, how are you feeling about the Broncos, man? How's, how are the Broncos looking with their schedule? Uh, the, the first four games are very winnable, um, which I think is, is, is good because it's hard like winning. To, it's hard to come back from like 0-4 with confidence. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you can go three and one in the first four games, um, you know, so we got week one against the Giants, week two against the Jags, week three against the Jets, and then week four, the hardest game, then the hard games start, uh, so the Ravens. So the first three games are incredibly winnable. Uh, Depending on what we see from Trevor Lawrence, I guess. But, yeah, that's a bad Jaguars team. I mean, any way you so like splice it, Trevor Lawrence is still playing with the same Jaguars team that went 1-16 last year. And uh, I, Trevor Lawrence, rookie quarterback, going against Vic Fangio's 
now super souped up defense. Um, I think Fangio was undefeated last year against rookie quarterbacks, which is a really weird and dumb stat, but he knows how to get into these young guys' heads defensively enough to win those games. He doesn't win a lot of games, but the games that he was winning were against inexperienced quarterbacks. And now with the potential to have Von Miller back side-by-side with Bradley Chubb and with what like the deepest cornerback uh, position, like, uh, situation we've been in for years Trevor Lawrence you know maybe maybe he's gonna have things figured out by week two but I don't think he's gonna be ready for what could possibly be one of the best Denver Broncos defenses in years okay and then um but then it, like it goes crazy with the Ravens Steelers Raiders and then it eases up again the Browns <laughs> we uh we hinted at this last week man but uh a week later Gun to your head. Who's your starting quarterback week one of the NFL season? Drew Locke. Okay. All right. Excited to see it. Um, so that's I'm our ready NFL. to find out if he's real or not. Because if he's not, we need to give up. No, for sure. I mean, this is uh, year three that we're it's going year into. three, but he's only played one season worth of football. Like, he's yeah. only started one season in one game. So... Third year in the league, technically, like, game one will be, like, his second season as a starter. I get it, man. I get it. Um, yeah. Again, I mean, all those Sam of... Darnold apologists, he, he has a greater sample size than Drew Locke. Uh, we'll we'll oh, see. Absolutely. We will see. I am – I'm doing too much apologizing. I need to, I need to start just handing out the hot takes. You know who's uh, you know who's not apologizing is Canelo Alvarez this week. Uh, Canelo Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna transition into our boxing corner, just real low key like. Uh, so that was our NFL news going into boxing. Last week we were hyping up the uh, title belt unification at the uh, 168 pound rankings between Canelo Alvarez, the goat. Uh, at least the goat right now um, versus Billy Joe the Saunders. greatest of right now the Gorn. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders was, uh, I believe, the IBF title holder. Um, Undefeated still... coming into this fight. Yeah, Billy Joe Saunders. He had a title. He had a belt um, that Canelo wanted, and Canelo took. And uh, Canelo came in, fuck, ready to go, man. Like it. He's a he's he's kind of a slow burner. I've realized in well, watching Canelo fight. I disagree. Um, I think what he does is he prepares for each fight differently, and I think that he's done a really good job at adapting to his opponents. Um, he knew that Billy Joe Saunders is a mobile guy. Uh, he uses the ring a lot, uses his legs a lot, something that uh, his camp made a big deal of before the fight. We did discuss previously the controversy surrounding the the ring size um apparently billy joe saunders was claiming that they had promised him a 24 by 24 foot uh ring and uh they had produced a 20 by 20 foot ring uh they were going to uh, they had threatened to pull out of the fight and they met in the middle with a 22 by 22 foot ring which i believe was like the largest ring that either of these two boxers had ever fought in but uh it it was 
an incredible, incredible fight. And I, I will say in this instance, the, at least the first round was absolutely a slow burn. And um, I think you just kind of see that with more experienced fighters um, in that you kind of have that feeling the other person out round, seeing what you can get away with, seeing how they're reacting to your movements, um, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to move so you can set your strategy. You can prepare and prepare all you want, but until you're actually face-to-face with somebody, it's hard to tell how much of their preparation for you and how much of your preparation for them is actually going to end up playing out. Um, sorry, Ford, just taking over there for a second. I'll no, let man, you... you're, you're all good. It was a hell of a fight. We saw um, taunting from both sides of it early on. You had... Uh, Billy Joe Saunders doing the Tyson Fury, like sticking his tongue out, going la 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 at like Canelo, which obviously Billy Joe, he is a, a traveler by heritage, such as uh, Tyson Fury, uh, the Irish travelers. And um, yeah, he was adopting that, trying to do his taunting tactics. And Canelo, as he got going and as he started beating down Billy Joe, he started just riling up the crowd and just being like, hey, cheer me on as I destroy this man late in these rounds. And uh, led up to a eighth round knockout, technical knockout, where uh, we saw a crazy kind of faint from Canelo combined with uh, Billy Joe ducking his head and then Canelo uppercutting him. And it's just an uppercut from hell. Uppercut from uh, just destroyed Billy Joe Saunders' eye, uh, and he he fought through the rest of the round, but went to his corner and just would not come back out. The corner waved the flag that he was done, and uh, we are hearing now that it's likely that uh, Canelo fractured his ocular bone and just broke his eye. That's basically think, what happened there. Broke the ocular uh, orbital bone for it. He broke the orbital bone in four places. Uh, so this is the type of injury that has potential to to end a career because if it doesn't heal correctly, then getting punched in that spot again can cause your sight. You can lose your sight, uh, potentially your life. Um, one thing I will say is that Billy Joe Saunders was starting to win a few of those rounds. Um, Canelo yeah. never really seemed like he was in trouble uh, for getting knocked out, but he remained calculated, I'll say, throughout the fight. He was very calculated. He wasn't throwing a lot of punches. The punches that he was throwing were power punches and they were landing, but in terms of who was taking over the rounds, um, I would say Billy Joe Saunders had won at least the two previous rounds going into the eight, eighth round, maybe even the three previous rounds, um, but... What we'll come to learn again uh, is that those calculations, seeing how Billy Joe moves his body, moves his legs, moves his head, I think that's how Canelo knew once he would do the feint with the overhand left, he saw that Billy Joe was ducking his entire body at those. And so that's when he... Oh yeah, my God, uppercut, man. It was absolutely brutal. I, I stood up from my seat and I just started screaming. It was incredible. He's the pound-for-pound pound champ. Um, we are now expecting, hoping, praying that he will get a fight scheduled against American Caleb Plant, who holds the only other belt at the 168-pound level, so that uh, Canelo can try to just 
be the official king of this weight class as he just kind of spent his time jumping from weight class to weight class, proving his worth. Um, the only fighter that seemingly can beat Canelo Alvarez is Floyd Mayweather, who is making much Once. more money. <laughs> would say what? Yeah, you're right. You know, probably could not fight. anymore at his advanced age of like 45. Um, the only person who has beaten Canelo Alvarez is Floyd Mayweather, who did it in his absolute prime. While, while Canelo was 21 years old, I believe, and on the on the rise. Um, so it, it's not a bad loss for Canelo to have. No, not at all. And uh, what I'll say is that uh, something that I have heard reading, reading forums, uh, reading Twitter, um, the boxing community, like many sports communities, can at times be toxic um, with respect to like, who are these, why aren't these fighters fighting the big fights? I don't think you can say that about Canelo Alvarez anymore. No, 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 no one should. Um, I just want to see him fight Caleb Plant now. That's the, that's the fight on my radar other than Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Um, which and, uh, who knows if we'll ever get that. If the Caleb Plant fight does happen, which I imagine Caleb Plant is probably going to be expecting a massive payday because oh, yeah. the odds are not in his favor. And uh, he may he may say, yeah, I can win this fight. But in the back of his head, he's probably wondering, is my skull going to get crushed in? But uh, if this fight does happen, and if Canelo does win this fight, he will get all four you will unify the weight class. Unify the belt, man. Do like, it. Each belt is like an infinity stone. <laughs> Canelo Alvarez is basically Thanos right now. Basically. Let's get him all the way there. Um, yeah, so that's our, that's our boxing corner. Uh, going into the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Uh, we're getting darn close to the playoffs and just wanted to run through for everybody the playoff picture because it's it's next week, I believe, TJ, that uh, we were talking about the playoffs kicking off. Um, in the Eastern Conference, we have in the number one seed the Philadelphia 76ers, followed by the Brooklyn Nets super team and uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Atlanta, Miami, New York Knicks. Surprisingly, I think that's the first time they're in the playoff picture in like 10 years or something. And... Uh, then we have a couple that then those are the, the guaranteed playoff spots. Then we have the play in game, I Which believe is that comes new, with the, correct? Yes, new this year. Uh, new. in the seven eight seed. And uh, that looks to be between Boston and Charlotte at this time in the Eastern Conference. Going into the West Coast where we reside, number one, we have the Utah Jazz, followed by the surprise of the West Coast, a la the New York Knicks, but on our side, the Phoenix Suns. The classic cellar dweller that made an incredible run in the bubble tournament last year. And um, now they're showing this year that they're here to stay. They're, they're real. Uh, Phoenix Suns with a record of 48 and 21 are in the number two spot, followed by the Los Angeles Clippers, the Denver Nuggets. That's everyone that's guaranteed in the playoffs at this point, followed by our Portland Trailblazers at number five with a record of 41 wins, 29 losses. We are tied in that position, really, with the Dallas Mavericks. And yeah, I um, I don't know if you've heard. There's a guy on Twitter who added Damian Lillard and said, like, yo, Damian Lillard, if the Trailblazers, like, I bet my house that the Trailblazers would win 42 games this season. Uh, 
So there's two games left. One is playing out right now. Uh, the other game is tomorrow? Later this week, at least. So if the Trailblazers can pull off one more win, this guy gets to keep his house. I'm pretty sure that there, there are my, like, all over like our NBA and like all I've over not heard this. Trailblazers Twitter. So yeah, uh, like every time Portland has won or lost a game, everybody just talks about whether or not this guy is going to be able to keep his house. So uh, Trailblazers last night beat the number one ranked Utah Jazz. Today they're playing the number two ranked Phoenix Suns. And if they win tonight, not only does that guy get to keep his house, but I believe they secure a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. That was right to me. And then, um, like I said, we have Dallas Mavericks in the sixth spot at the moment. And the play-in game on the West Coast, which would just be amazing if it comes to this, is the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors. So please let LeBron and Steph Curry square off in a game just to make the playoffs, which, as we all know, LeBron is absolutely furious about that he's in this position right now. But hey, them's the breaks, man. Scoreboard. Otherwise, in the NBA, Russell Westbrook uh, just became the all-time leader in triple-doubles with 182, surpassing legend Oscar Robinson, who had 181. Uh, He was asked if his record will ever be broken, and he said, I don't know. I guess we'll find out in like 50 years. So if it's not broken, he expects it to stand for a pretty darn long time. And I agree. He's uh, an absolutely insane person and uh, just uber competitive. Seems to have done a great job with the Washington Wizards this year. Go Russell Westbrook. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Otherwise. You you can hate on a player. You can hate all the things. But at the end of the day, stats don't lie. And when you're number one, you're number one. I've never hated on Russell Westbrook, man. Stop he, hating him. <laughs> that dude is uh he's a go-getter, man. Is uh he's he's like had that Mamba mentality that everyone said Kobe had, you know, and Michael Jordan before him of just like that ultra type A like aggressive like I'm going to lead us to victory or I'm going to die trying. He just tends to die trying more often I feel like than Kobe or my or Michael Jordan did. Um but anyway, still an amazing competitor and an amazing player. Um, that's our NBA corner. So there you go. Way to go, Russell Westbrook. Uh, horse racing. I don't know if you heard TJ, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Kentucky Derby. You know who else dies trying sometimes? Horses. Uh, <laughs> these horses. Uh, they were they were racing for their lives out there. Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby, um, but. But Medina Spirit has tested positive for anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, which apparently in the horse racing community is a competitive advantage. That is a performance-enhancing drug. The owner of the horse, Bob Baffert, uh, came out saying, oh, my Lord, this is a travesty. This is a gut punch for for us and for the whole sport as a whole. I have no idea how this happened. Um, But it seems that the horse racing community is uh, not buying it. And this is the fifth horse that Bob Baffert has had test positive for uh, just failing a drug test in less than two years, apparently closer to one year, but just slightly over the one year marker. And uh, it's been like seven or eight horses overall that this guy has had test positive for 
performance enhancing substances. So I think he needs to, I think somebody needs to open an investigation into his horse dealer. He's clearly, he just keeps buying lemons and uh, he's taking the blame for it. I was thinking that this must be the horse's fault, you know, like his, he's just getting bad, low character horses that are uh, just drug abusers. You know, and he's, he's believing in these horses and it's, you know, first time shame on them, but second time shame on him. It's, it's gotta be a stressful life having to, you know, lead the life of a professional horse, you know, trying to maintain that diet, um, that public image. So I, uh, I didn't know who Bob Baffert was before today, um, mostly because I don't really pay attention to horse politics. Um, You're not a constituent. What I will say is that Bob Baffert looks like he was the inspiration for Will's Fer- Will Ferrell's character in Eastbound and Down. Uh, <laughs> The, the Google Bob Baffert guy. and then Google Will Ferrell Eastbound and Down and like click through the photos. It's it's got to be the same guy. You do more than that, man. His standoff with Danny McBride's character in that car dealership is just one of the most hilarious scenes in all of television to me. But beside the point. Um, so yeah, Bob Baffert, bad for the sport. Get him out of there. Um, and you know anyway. what? Sometimes horses need to be inflamed. Stop giving them anti-inflammatories. Allow yeah. them to be inflamed. Let that flame rage. Um, you know who else is raging on the ice? Connor McDermott, McDavid. I can't say names today. Connor McDavid, the uh, player for the Edmonton Oilers, he scored his 100th point in the National Hockey League, uh, which can be a score or an assist. Either one will give you a point. Uh, they played their 53rd game where he scored the point. And uh, he is the fastest to do it in 25 years. So props to you, Connor McDavid. Uh, we I don't know, previously, if it's 25 years, that doesn't seem very fast. Previously, uh, <laughs> it, uh, we had the Edmonton Oilers as one of, our, one of our teams that we followed on this podcast. If you're a longtime listener, you'll know that we had a bit of a war uh, in the Pacific Division last season between the Edmonton Oilers and the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and we followed them religiously, and the uh, the Golden Knights edged them out. They won the Pacific Division, and I, I stood down, and uh, we let them bow out of our of our purview on this podcast. And then we followed the Golden Knights pretty consistently since then. But now, but now, TJ, but now, you brought a motion last week that we end. Our relationship with Las Vegas. The most important motion of all, emotion. And you said that we needed to we needed to move our our endorsement to Seattle because we're crackheads now. Is that I right? Am deep in the crack. All right, we are we are crackheads now. I will say the only negative about this is that it always gave me a bit of a uplift in the spirits. The only negative is that there's not enough. I need more cracking. Well, I'm just saying, man, when I would check in on the Golden Knights, it was always like kind of uplifting. I'd be like, how them how them Golden Knights do? Oh, they're doing good. They're winning. They're they're crushing it. Uh, now we might we might be uh, a little not as excited every week. You know, hey, it might be a I'm little more. I'm excited because the Seattle Kraken has officially acquired their very first player. Uh, 
And that player's name is Luke Henman. Okay. Come on down, Luke. Luke Lead us to victory. has agreed to a three-year contract with the Seattle Kraken. He's a 21-year-old rookie, and I the only thing I know about him is that he plays for the best goddamn team in the league, and that's good <laughs> enough for me. All right. So uh, from here on out, you will hear us following the Seattle Kraken in all of their endeavors. Uh, so and goodbye. And our hero, Luke Henman. Luke Henman. You're you're gonna lead this podcast in uh, in spirit for the rest of time, uh, until as long as you're on the Kraken. We need to put a little asterisk on there. Um, all right, well that's our that's our NHL corner. Last corner for the day. Uh, we have a, a pretty big UFC event coming up, guys. We have UFC 262. It's coming this Saturday. If you're wealthy, go buy it. If you're not wealthy, I don't know. I hope you find another way Share to watch it. Share it with some friends safely and at a distance. Or if you're all vaccinated, then I guess that's fine also. Uh, we had some some big names fighting in our main event. We have Michael Chandler going up against Charles Oliveira. And uh, in the co-main event, we have Benil Dariush. I'm not super familiar with him, as you can tell from my hesitancy pronouncing his name. But he's going up against a guy. We're very well familiar with the man, Tony Ferguson, 26 wins, five losses, no ties. I am ready to see the sunglassed man, Tony Ferguson, get back into the octagon and bash some heads. You know what? I don't know much about Benil Darius either, but what I do know is that he has a tie on his record. And everybody knows that a tie is just like kissing your sister. And you know what, Ethan? I've never kissed your sister. And I never I'm glad will. I know that. Thanks. Thanks for God willing. Me. I hope I hope to never God kiss willing. my sisters. I don't want to kiss your sisters either. All right. That's our corner. I don't, I don't know what to label that corner anymore. That that got away from us. Um, anyway, that's our sports news for the day. And thank you for joining us. Before we go, always like to just shout out some recommendations on what we've been listening to these days or, you know, watching or whatever medium is catching our eye and entertaining us. Uh, for myself, wanted to hype up The Ultimate Fighter, something that probably doesn't need any hyping because it's been around for 15 years, um, premiered in 2005, I believe, so older than that even. However, I just kind of got back into it. I've never been a loyal viewer, but I, I do have ESPN Plus because every now and then I want to watch a fight that is you only can watch really if you have ESPN Plus you know, for top rank or something like that. Anyway... In their catalog, they have every season of The Ultimate Fighter. I just binge-watched the first season. Ridiculous time capsule into 2005 and what they could say on television back then. However, it was super cool. I got really into it. I followed all the fighter stories. It's got definitely some reality TV aspects that I just love because I love reality TV. And then I was watching like the finale, and uh, one of the fights was absolutely insane. And they're like co-main event of these, like, you know, the ultimate fighters guys and I Googled the fighters and they were like, yeah, not only was that a crazy fight, it was one of the most important fights in the history of like making the UFC a main staple in sports. I was like, Whoa. And I'm like, all right, so these guys, they were up and comers. Then they're like, yeah, they're, they're in the hall of fame now. I'm like, okay, that's pretty sick. So if you're into it, go check it out. You got like 16 plus seasons out there. I think they're releasing another one in June. 
I don't know. I just watched the first one, but check it out. Ultimate Fighter. TJ, you got anything? I do. I am recommending an album. It is Manchester Orchestra's sixth studio album called The Million Masks of God. Um, I have been aware of Manchester Orchestra. They've kind of like, you know, they've, like I said, they've, this is their sixth album. But is none Casey of their Affleck music really involved. Is Casey Affleck involved? Manchester it is not Odyssey. by the sea. So ah. No. No. Although he may be a fan because this album is pretty good. Um, I, upon like some of the, the algorithm, as I refer to it, the algorithm saw fit to suggest to me the, their first single that they released before the album drop, a song called Bedhead. Um, and I just really vibed with it. And so I was just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting the album finally came out, and uh, honestly, it blew my mind. I don't want to speak too much about it. I just want to let you know that they're kind of an indie rock alternative album. Uh, pardon me, alternative band. And uh, the album just really flows well together. So if you're into that kind of like indie kind of... Uh, uh, what is the word I'm thinking of? That vibe? Uh, no, not it's vibe. Nice. It's um, like not cognitive, but... Uh, that crunchy groove, that sound. I don't know, like stuff that makes you think. The songs are well composed, but the lyrics are also deep and kind of paint a picture and a story. Um, some things that they can... Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for this album, and it peaked at number three on the U.S. Top Alternative Albums Billboard, number five on the Top Rock Albums Billboard, number four on the Top Independent Albums Billboard. But... I think the thing that they will write home about to their mothers is that they reached uh, on the Belgian album's peak position 173. So, uh, you know, not everybody even makes it to that billboard. But these guys yeah. did it. The Million Masks of God, Manchester Orchestra. They're huge in Bulgaria, man. At least somewhat. <laughs> all right well that's your podcast for today everybody thank you once again for joining us and until you hear from us again keep sweating <laughs>